Thank you for tuning into the Relentless Pursuit podcast, the foundation of equity, where our Kansans have justice-centered dialogue to promote the equilibrium of humanity in the natural state and beyond. I'm your host, Crystal C. Mercer, native Arkansan, artist, activist, poet. You can always find me in the digital space at crystalcmercer.com and on social media at C-C-M-E-R-C-E-R-T-O-O. And special thanks to our season sponsor and the reason we've all assembled to have these deeper dives, the Winthrop Rockefeller Foundation, WRF, who exists to relentlessly pursue economic, educational, social, ethnic, and racial equity for all our Kansans. Ain't that all right? You can connect with them at wrfoundation.org and social media at Winthrop Rockefeller Found on IG and WR Found on FB. This episode, like all others, we're talking with folks from all over the state about their draw to or passion for equity work, which brings me to our guest today, Katie Wiggins, Grants and Learning Officer with WRF. Hi, Katie. Hi, Cece. Hey. I'm going to brag on you for just a bit, give the people some insight on what it is that you do. So Katie is passionate about driving equity through inclusive, sustainable systems. As the WRF's Grants and Learning Officer, she oversees and reimagines grant making to center grantees and inform foundation strategy through principles of trust-based philanthropy, because you got to have a little trust. <laughs> she ensures the foundation's pursuit of equity is itself equitable. Prior to joining the foundation, Katie built systems and reimagined operations at Loblop and Creamery. And before that, she cultivated happiness for animals and the people who eat them as owner of Farm Girl Meats, an integrated sustainable livestock farm. Katie has a BS in agricultural business from Arkansas Tech University. And when she's away from her desk, she often frolics with her husband and children and makes useful art of all kinds. So a little brag, that's quite <laughs> the span of career. Yeah. (laughs) So let's just pop this thing off, Katie. Between your former work at Loblolly Creamery, which is one of my favorite sweet shops, Mm -hmm. and Farm Girl Meets to your current role as the Grants and Learning Officer at WRF, how would you describe the work that you do to folks in your love for sustainable systems? Okay. Well, as a holistic systems thinker, I'm very much a how person. Mm. And systems only work effectively if they're working for all of the participants of the system. This is an ecosystem way of thinking. And you can apply that in a lot of different industries in a lot of different spaces. As you mentioned in my biography, I have um, had the opportunity to cross a lot of industrial boundaries with this kind of ethic. Um, But really, it's about just like what WRF is about, making the spaces work for the people who live in them and inhabit them. Of course. Yes. So this, this, this framework, your perception of equity Mm -hmm. through these sustainable systems and reaching all of the people for it to Mm -hmm. work, not just Mm -hmm. for a few, for some or many, but all, how has that informed the way you view equity in Arkansas? Equity in Arkansas. Well, that means really making sure that all the voices are heard. Um, and at the table, mm. having actual voice in how the systems themselves are created because we can't project or assume or imagine what other people need. 
Um, and sometimes they need support in even voicing what they need um, to join the table or um, inform whatever the changes are that need to happen. In my role at WRF, I get to not just make our systems within our foundation work for our staff, which is important, but hopefully also work for all of the many community partners that we are hoping to enable to create the change in Arkansas and um, connecting them with the resources, but also recentering our relationship to really be one of support for our community partners um, as opposed to a directive partner. Which I can attest to as a community partner. You definitely do that in the some, Katie. I hope so. <laughs> so I wonder, I just want to dig a little deeper into this yeah. table metaphor, because it's one that a mm -hmm. lot of people are familiar with when they do this equity work. Mm -hmm. What does it look like to make room or set the table for mm -hmm. people to be able to have access to these resources? Well, I can speak to my specific role um, more than all of the many tables <laughs> across the state. Um, but for us and, and um, our role with our community partners, that means not just inviting them to spaces, but uh, seeking to discover spaces that where folks are already activating um, and asking them, how can we help? What, what resources are needed? Usually as a foundation, that means money. Um, but sometimes it means leverage. We can use our reputation as an organization to make connections, um, to create tables where there maybe weren't any or they were vacant or missing voices to bring people into the room. And in my role, that means mostly asking a lot of questions, asking questions of my colleagues. Are you um, reaching out to everybody that you could be talking to? What, who is missing from this conversation? Is this strategy inclusive to um, all the voices that might participate in this change? Mm -hmm. uh, do people, enough people have access to the information or the strategy that you're working with um, to be activated to join the conversation? Um, so... There's, there's a variety of things there, right? You could We could be building the table. We could be bringing more chairs into the room for people to sit in. Um, we could be knocking on doors so that we can try to invite other, you know, help other folks enter conversations at different tables. Um, rambling the nerves out. <laughs> Apologies. <laughs> no, it's, yeah. it's a beautiful answer. And, and I, I asked because I have a poem called mm -hmm. a longer table mm -hmm. and it's just it's a beautiful metaphor and reference so the way you yeah. talk about it makes a lot of sense that there are different ways to not only assemble but to activate people as well yeah. as you're inviting them into a space into the process into the conversation into the work mm -hmm. so you you framed it beautifully Katie <laughs> thank you <laughs> you're very yeah. welcome so then I have a few more questions for you because mm -hmm. You know, I, I I get these emails from you and it, it makes me do my happy dance <laughs> as far as like the resources, but also the connection. It's like the communication is also key, like how it's being read in a digital space and and how somebody is on the receiving end. So I can personally say that 
it feels good to get something that's pleasant and direct and polite when you know that you're doing this work that sometimes is it's hard to tackle because it's a lot of emotional labor as well when you're talking about equity work. It's not mm-hmm. always pretty or always funded. <laughs> sometimes it's grotesque and you got to get your boots in the mud and just be out there with people. So I appreciate um, how pleasant you make it feel that doing the work is appreciated when when we have an opportunity to connect via email. Uh, but my next question is, so you talked about your work with Loblolly and then your work with the farm and now that you're doing this work here, but I'm just curious, how does equity and social justice work from your lens of working in the grant making space um, inform your creative or professional practices? Because you also talked about making useful arts of all kind. <laughs> so there are a lot of things that you do. How does equity inform each uh, pot that you have your hand in? Sure. A good question. Um, Well, it's easy to talk about the professional space. We're an equity-focused organization, so that's just in the air in every conversation. Um, Definitely, it's about removing barriers, um, owning my own demographics when I walk in the room as much as possible, and also recognizing I write the checks from a Rockefeller Foundation, and I'm a white woman (laughs) with a college Mm -hmm. degree. Um, So I'm aware that there's a a lot of power dynamic walking in the room with me that I'm not always aware that I'm carrying or that's walking alongside. So asking myself those questions in all of the systems that I shepherd and all of the ways that I'm working with the work that we do. Um, how can I do this differently? How can I recenter myself in, mm-hmm. in, the, in the conversation or in the room? Um, maybe that's a little bit more personal than professional, but in terms of art, there's an anti-exclusionary kind of feeling there, really trying to steep myself in lots of um, um, inspirations, I guess, <laughs> really kind of trying to keep that door open to um, wherever inspiration could come from, cult- intentionally cultivating um, sources of inf- inspiration that fall outside of what maybe Instagram wants to show me or um, any of those other kind of natural, (laughs) Mm -hmm. um, feeds. Um, but similar to the way I mentioned in, in professional things, it's, mm, it's equity in art. Yeah. I mean, is, is the use of the thing pleasing in all the ways to the person who's using it is really the question. That's the question in a bowl that I might be making out of clay. That's the question in your experience submitting your invoice every month (laughs) or whatever, as much as that could be pleasing. Um, The goal is to make it not just efficient and easy, but um, satisfying and connective 
as much as possible. Yeah. I also love what you said, Katie, about recentering yourself when you enter the room or maybe into your work, how useful it is. Is it useful? Is it helpful? Mm -hmm. Is it beautiful? Like Mm -hmm. how are people consuming that part of the feed when they're encountering just our own humanity moving through the world? Mm -hmm. And I'm wondering if I could just bring it back a little bit, how you use the power that you know that you have personally and professionally to advocate for others. I think there's always a moving target. Um, I try to not be the first person to speak. I know that's a low bar, um, but I have an opportunity to learn from the lived experience of a lot of my colleagues and people I come in contact with through my work at the foundation. And um, the starting point for me is just trying to not take up unfair amounts of space and not even unfair, but... um, accidentally claim or lived in accidentally claimed space in um, conversations and um, at just all of the spaces really opening and maintaining the opportunity to learn. Um, I think that's, that's the biggest one. That's, that's where I would start. That's powerful. Be quiet. <laughs> Let somebody else who needs the floor experience that space. Yeah. But your silence doesn't mean you're not advocating. It's quite the contrary. It's like, I'm rooting for you and you got it. I did that. Yeah. I, yes, I'm trying to presume, intentionally presuming that I am the learner in many of these spaces because I think that I am and I have a lot of learning to catch up on for my own life experience. Um, Yeah. So being quiet is probably the biggest one. Mm. That touched me a lot. I have one more question for Mm -hmm. you, uh, Katie, and it's just thinking about over the years, the work that you've done and your current role at WRF, the years that you've put into building these inclusive, sustainable systems what do you see for the years to come in your work? Um, I would like to encourage, I would like to model and actively advocate for more trust-based practices across, across philanthropy in general. There's so many different ways to implement um, relational, um, rebalanced grant-making that that's one, really engaging my grant-making peers on that. We also don't acknowledge people with physical and um, that just people with disabilities have a really hard time entering the conversation and even accessing our recordings or our website mm. or um, applying for grants or there's there are additional layers that we have yet to dig into as an organization and as an operations person and a grants manager that I have the opportunity to engage in some of those specific barriers that I'm looking forward to um, pushing against in the relatively near future. Yeah, I did. Trust, 
And, account- and accessibility mm-hmm. is going to be key as your work moves forward. Yeah. So. Well, Katie, we like to end the show with a quote or a poem or words of encouragement before we depart from this time and space together. Uh, no doubt, as someone out there may be relentlessly pursuing something in their heart. And today's feature comes from the namesake of the foundation, <laughs> Winthrop Rockefeller. Mm-hmm. And he said, It has been said that I ask for too much. Perhaps so. You tell me. What quality of leadership would ask too little? So, Katie, I want to thank you for all the work you're doing to build these sustainable, inclusive systems, the work that you're doing for Arkansas. And in my Luther Vandross voice, it's never too much. (laughs) So thank you so much for sharing a bit of your story with us today, Katie. Thanks for having me. Of course. And thank y'all for tuning in to the Relentless Pursuit podcast, the foundation of equity, where Arkansans have justice-centered dialogues, promote the equilibrium of humanity in the natural state and beyond. We had a fabulous time today in studio with Katie Wiggins, and I'm your host, Crystal C. Mercer. Thank you again to our season sponsor, the Winthrop Rockefeller Foundation, and we'll catch you on the next episode. Peace. Mm-hmm.